Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the Mojave Desert. Our majestic and strange desert wilderness. Home sweet home. And nothing makes a house or a cabin or a mobile home or a yurt or a sleeping bag or whatever you call home. Nothing makes it feel like home like celebrating our wonderful desert holiday. A holiday so nice we celebrate it twice. I'm talking about Snakesgiving. Snakesgiving. Once when the snakes come out. Once when the snakes go back down in the ground for their long winter's nap. Snakesgiving, as Hemingway wrote, is a movable feast. Because it depends upon which part of the desert you call home. Down in the low desert, Snakesgiving comes as early as Valentine's Day, usually by St. Patrick's Day. Depending on elevation... Longitude, latitude, whether it was a good rainy season or a dry year or a very dry year. So you never really know what you are going to get. Except you are going to get some snakes at some part of the year, some time of the year. If you are lucky enough to live in or near the desert wilderness... Lucky you. You're in luck. Now, I was talking with an old friend not long ago. And this person said something along the lines of, Don't you get bored out there? Don't you miss the city? And I said, Of course, I miss some elements of civilization at some times. And because I'm not under house arrest at the moment, I can just visit the nearest city or large town whenever I want, within reason. Once or twice a year, if I have to. The truth is, no matter where we live, these days a lot of us tend to live pretty much exactly the same wherever we are. The same lives, more or less. No matter where we are, no matter how unique the place we occupy, 
The people get most of their entertainment through the same cable channels and television services plans, and they look at the same boring internet and the same boring social media, and they tend to live in places that look pretty much the same in and out across most of the country, most of the continent, most of the modern world. And you can do that in the desert, but it's a lot harder to pull that off when you live on a couple of acres of Joshua trees and creosote and there are baby quail popping through your garden and great horned owls hoot hooting at night and hummingbirds zipping around the cactus blossoms. And Mojave cottontails munching on what's left of the wildflowers. And that old desert tortoise chewing thoughtfully on a patch of half green something or other. Tortoise lettuce, some people call it. Now, just the other night, over the Bartlett Mountains, I saw some brilliant orange lights. It was dusk, and there was just a little bit of light left in the sky, and then there were a few more orange lights and a few more. Now, a lot of people visiting out here see something like that, and they lose their minds. It's a UFO. Go get your phone off the patio table and try to get some pictures of it. They will be very impressive pictures. Each light, one or two pixels, and a sea of darkness and digital noise. Well, these lights were pretty easily identified. You spend some time out here and you come to know the marine base flares, which they drop from aircraft to light up the desert below where a bunch of 18-year-old kids are running around with machine guns in the dark pretending to kill people. Sometimes they succeed. It's military training. Very important. But the flares sure look pretty just hanging there in the sky for a few minutes, looking like you could touch them if you were standing on that mountaintop, which is not very far away. And while standing outside enjoying this light show, I heard a very close owl doing his hoo-hoo, and then looking around, I saw the silhouette of a great horned owl up on the telephone pole on the roadside. Well, I watched it for about 20 seconds and then it lifted off the top of the pole. Those great wings opened up and it swooped down, disappeared. Swoop, swoop. Sometimes they'll let you watch them. But as they're watching you long before you see them, I get the feeling the owls don't really enjoy being stared at. Like they were some sort of attraction. 
Anyway, the snake reports so far in this so far still cool and occasionally rainy late spring now. Totals only two snakes. On my daily walks that transpire in many different areas where you can walk out among the rocks and the Joshua Tree woodland, the high desert. The first of my snake season was a nice nutty brown gopher snake, tawny brown, I guess. Better camouflage than some of the brighter yellow gopher snakes I usually see around here. This one was three, three plus feet long. I nodded hello and it ignored me. A perfect relationship, really. Two things sort of telegraph that a gopher snake is not a rattlesnake, and they are things worth remembering. One, the real proof that you need is that rattlesnakes have larger, triangular-shaped heads. Spade-shaped. Some species even have horns, just like the devil. But these snakes, unlike that oddest angel created and empowered by the god of various popular religions, these snakes mean you no harm. They are not going to try to trick you. You are too big for them to eat, so you are of no concern to the snake unless you scare it or threaten it or accidentally step on it. based on personal experience of walking amongst the venomous and non-venomous snakes during our half-plus year of snake season relates to the usual response to humans or other large creatures. The classic rattlesnake move is defensive and threatening. You can't count on it, but it is one way you will immediately know what you're dealing with. Now, whether it's a precautionary half-rattle as it gets out of the way, or a determined series of sharp, loud rattles as it makes clear that it is not going to get out of the road or the trail or off your patio, etc. The rattler has evolved these abilities to warn off threats. The rattler, when you think about it, is at a distinct disadvantage when confronted with a human. It has no legs, it has no arms, it has no hands to strangle you with. It has no hands or fists to beat you bloody. No vocal cords to scream and yell. Instead, it can bite and it can sink venom right into your bloodstream. 
an amazing thing to see, which I've seen a few times, is the convincing impersonation of a rattler that a threatened gopher snake can perform. Its tail will start rapidly shaking against whatever leaves or grass or dead wildflowers or crumbling plaster and an abandoned structure. striking and the little gopher snake head will dart around like it's got a mouthful of venomous fangs sometimes but rattlesnakes do not always coil before they strike and they do not always hiss before they strike and they do not even always rattle before they strike The situation may have some familiar elements, but it also may be a new twist on the old game. The old game of having your ancient instincts take over immediately. When your reptilian brain recognizes that first half beat of the rattle... snake I've seen so far this spring up here in the high desert was a very beautiful California king snake. I saw it on a side trail, its tail sticking out of one end of a snake hole and its head sticking out of the other before it went back inside because I walked by. It was underneath a little bursage bush. This king snake was probably two and a half feet, maybe three feet. I'm guessing mostly based on the size of the head and the tail because the rest was out of sight. Beautiful black and white rings on the parts I saw. Wide rings, the width of a good onion ring, as John Muir wrote. I hope you have a happy Snakesgiving. Happy Snakesgiving to us all, everyone. Except for... charitable. Happy Snakesgiving, everyone. Desert Oracle News Desk, we've got some news on the Cadiz Water Project, and 
I love to give everybody equal time here. It's not like some channels, like some stations. So I'm just going to read it right off the Cadiz press release, which was delivered to me by Courier. Thanks, Cadiz. Yesterday, the California State Senate passed Senate Bill 307 by a vote of 21 to 11 with six abstentions. The legislation will now move to the California State Assembly for consideration and committee prior to any floor debate. The company issued the following statement regarding the Senate vote. Let's see here. Uh, California continues to suffer from long-term water supply and housing shortages and solutions. These two critical problems depend on infrastructure improvements that are increasingly difficult to come by. Bills like SB 307 as presently drafted will make solutions tougher. Just sitting, troubling precedent, disregarding long-standing water project. Quote, project. Project has already undergone a thing for. However, we have supported and agreed to additional upfront review of science if it will provide more public and legislative confidence in our project. And so, look, these are the people who want to drain the Cadiz aquifer beneath Mojave Trails National Monument and Mojave National Preserve and pipe the water to Orange County for their swimming pools. And then all the animals in the Mojave who depend upon that water will die. aware that Joshua Tree businessman Brendan Mays had been hoping to sort of ride these coattails and create a new flavored beverage from water that would leak out of the Cadiz pipes. Well, as it seems like this project may finally be dead in the water, as they say, I figured we'd get Brendan on the line and see how he is coping. Well, he's got a backup plan. Basically, our mitigation plan is dilution. So, and there's also filtration. So it's kind of a a two-pronged approach, dilution and filtration. As long as we can get the uh, levels, the parts per billion levels of uh, the hexavalent chromium-6 below a certain amount, well, then the water is good to go. And I'm pretty sure that we can do that. I think the federal standard is somewhere around six parts per billion, or in California, it's 10 or a little stricter. But we can, you know, play with the, uh, play with the amounts 
until we get to an acceptable level that's not going to cause any problems. We're not too concerned about that. Environmentally devastating is uh, kind of a pejorative way to look at it, kind of a, it seems to me a little jaundiced way to look at it. We're not so sure about that kissed by the sun line. Uh, the the Sunkist Corporation out there in the in Thousand Oaks has uh, has threatened uh, has threatened us. They, you know, they make a lot of flavored beverages themselves, and they they kind of warned us about that kissed by the sun thing. So we're going to try to take a slightly different tack. Yes, we're going to say it's eco water instead of kissed by the sun, blessed by the sun. You're going to say blessed by the sun or purified by the sun, because a big part of our plan is this entire operation is going to be, in terms of power, is going to be completely off the grid. It's all going to be solar powered. And part of our, uh, part of the, uh, the mitigation process of, of cleaning this water, that's all going to be powered by the sun. So we're, we're thinking about having it called either blessed by the sun or purified by the sun. But we're going to really try to, to play up, you know, the elemental nature of what we're dealing here. We're dealing with here the elemental nature of earth, wind, and fire. Wait, wait, hold on a second. The elemental nature here, you know, the sun, the air, and the water. I mean, those are the kind of elements we're really trying to push. Now, we had originally come out with the desert bighorn sheep as our symbol because we think that's the most iconic, uh, the most bold, and the most arresting image that we could use. It's a very strong and powerful image. As you know, Dodge trucks have been using it for years and it's done really well for them. So we thought it could do pretty good for us. And because I drive a Dodge Ram truck myself, 3500 series, with the Cummins diesel and the Detroit Allison transmission, it's a great truck. I love that truck. Talk to me a little bit about the flavorings and the sourcing for these so-called natural desert ingredients. Well, we've got a few sources. One, uh, we're trying to vary. Right now, we're, we have a few flavors that we're working out right now. Um, we've got one, uh, Joshua Tree Flower, which is a, a very light, sweet flavor with hints of uh, citrus and cinnamon. It's really a delightful flavor, not too complex, and pretty light on the palate, very refreshing. Another flavor we're dealing with is Desert Sage, which is another refreshing, palate-cleansing sort of flavor. Yeah, another flavor we're working with is uh, surprisingly creosote, which is, you wouldn't think, would have a good flavor to it, but it's actually kind of complex and smoky and leaves a really pleasant kind of caramel aftertaste. So those are the three flavors we've been working at. But we're exploring all things. There's a lot of flavors out in the desert, I'm sure, that we haven't even tried. Can you tell me about your sourcing for these flavors, Joshua Tree? And are you harvesting these in the wild? Do you have permits? I don't know uh, how, how deep I should... Uh, well, I'm not really at liberty to say can exactly how we're coming up with these flavors because, again... You know, people have heard about this project and they're all up in arms and they're ready to jump all over us. So I don't really want to say how we're getting these flavors or how we're collecting them. Suffice it to say that as uh, a landowner and Airbnb operator in, in Mojave for years and years now, I have a lot of properties. I have a lot of uh, naturally occurring specimens all over these properties. 
which I'm free to do with as as I want, as long as I'm cutting down the needs to get this stuff. I'm just harvesting nectar. But let's just say that it's all legal and it's all above board. What we're trying to do here with Mojave Mirage beverages is we're trying to take the natural goodness and purity of the Mojave Desert, which all the locals know and enjoy, and bring it to the attention of the entire world in the form of a refreshing beverage that has none of the negative health effects that soda pop has or that these energy drinks have. We are trying to bring the goodness of the desert and spread that around the entire world at a price point that is attractive so that as many people that can never actually make it out here can get at least a little taste of the desert. From Amboy to Zizix and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio, and I am your host, Ken Lane. We broadcast from KCDZ-FM in Joshua Tree and on fine community radio stations up and down the West Coast through Public Radio Exchange, PRX. And of course, there is a podcast available freely wherever you get your podcast. Try telling your phone, play Desert Oracle Radio. It works sometimes. Or listen to the program on your Apple TV or tell your NSA-approved internet-connected home device, play Desert Oracle Radio. And please opt out of 24-hour surveillance. And the only way you really opt out of 24-hour audio surveillance is by throwing all those eager listening devices in the recycling bin. Throw your phone in there, too, while you're at it. Enjoy life for a change while you still can. you are out enjoying the desert wildlands this weekend or anytime really bring along some water maybe a hat maybe tell somebody where you're going you know i was up in nevada up in lincoln county on a expedition the other day and to my great surprise the whole drive from clark county to alamo now has cell phone coverage pretty much the whole way and that's no fun people were calling me But if you're off the road a bit, you can bet you will not have cell phone coverage when you need it most. Amboy Crater eats a couple of tourists per year these days, so give a hoot and maybe you'll come home alive. Who knows? It's all part of the fun, of course. We'll meet again next week, I hope. And in the meantime, enjoy your issue 8 of Desert Oracle, our finest little field guide so far, maybe. Hang in there, international subscribers. You know how long it takes for the boat to get from the Mojave to Italy or Spain. Thanks to Red, Blue, Black, Silver for the soundscapes made for this very program. Visit him at his house, redblueblacksilver.com. Visit us, if you must, at desertoracle.com. Thank you for listening, and good night from the Voice of the Desert.